Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Alan Estedham. He is the author of the new release, The Former Things. It's a unique take on Christian romance. It's not by any means formulaic, and I'll tell you about it a little bit later on in the broadcast. I'm so excited about this particular book because Alan asked me to endorse it. And I already like Alan's work. I've read several of his books, and each of them have been showcased on this show. So when he came up with this Christian romance idea, I wanted to see what he would do. And he did a phenomenal job twisting Christian romance up, but he also brought really interesting truths and healing, I would say, to the genre as well. So I can't wait to dig into it. I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release, A Match for Bernadette. My next one comes out. It's called A Chance for Genevieve, which is part of the Last Chance Brides series. I hope you get a chance to pick up that copy of the book as well. We want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. And so, without further ado, I'm going to bring Alan on. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Parker. It's great to be back on with you. And it's always good to have you back. You know, I am a fan ever since Jordan's World, where you put that poor woman through so many things, especially leaving her on a planet with no explanation until the third book of why she was just abducted and dropped on this foreign planet. And I can remember, and I talk about it all the time, because it's one of the few books where my indignation lasted for the whole series. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been a fan since then, and it was such a weird thing because we connected through Ambassador International, and I really like their fictional catalog. It's getting really sophisticated and really interesting, so I hope they continue along that path. And now we're back for your new book, The Former Things, which is taking a deviation from your usual writing, which is speculative fiction, and you're dabbing into Christian romance. Let me ask you, why did you want to do this in the first place? Well, that's an interesting story because I didn't plan to do this book at all. I had other plans, but then, you know, it was during 2020 and uh, about April 2020, and we were in the midst of the COVID pandemic, and we were, uh, even in Texas, we were on lockdown like a lot of other people. And during that time, I was doing like I normally do before I write, and I was having a prayer, and the Lord gave me the idea for this book, like all at once. That almost never happens. In fact, that really hadn't happened like that before this book, but the Lord really impressed upon me 
that this is going to be a story with an atheist as a main character in a Christian fiction story, that it was going to be a male and a few things about him. And then just, you know, kind of set me on fire right away. And I wrote the first draft for it in 33 days. Of course, you know, the first draft is never what you end up with, but I just was that driven. So I didn't set out to write particularly a romance novel either. I mean, all of my books have romance elements to them as I'm all about, you know, marriage and family and love and everything because that's just, that's part of God's design. But uh, in this case, it was coming at it from a very different angle because the main character, Sean Winter, he's kind of wounded by love at the beginning and he's wounded by a lot of things stemming from people he cares about. And so the story kind of built from there, all these things that the former things is essentially about things that have weighed down Sean in his life and what he's trying to escape or overcome. And uh, so it really, I think, I feel like the Lord gave it to me to reach out to a different set of people. To re- I mean, it's still new adults, but it, it is to reach out to your average person. This Anybody could read this and get something out of it, you know? What I particularly found interesting is that even though it's new adult, it's not angsty. And when you read new adult romance, it's always angsty. I've yet, except for yours, secular or non or Christian, where they're not, oh my gosh, Johnny likes me, but I want to be a movie star. And now I have to make a choice between being a movie star or liking Johnny, as if you can't have both. And there's a lot of angst. And then they have all these weird rabbit trails and things of that nature. So I enjoyed the story. And you know it had a profound effect on me because I asked you a lot of questions. It just gave some of my thoughts behind some of the characters' decisions throughout the story. But it is a good thing that you chose the route you did with a character who is an atheist. And you don't make him an evil atheist. Sometimes in Christian fiction, that is the goal for trope of atheist characters. They're all hateful, they all hate life, and they hate God. And that's not Sean's background, is it? No, it's not. See, one thing that that the Lord really impressed upon me in, in writing this was to first to just go and do what any writer should do and research the topic. You know, I'm not an atheist, so, and I've never been an atheist, so I had to, I had to go outside my comfort zone in that, and I had to look at, you know, different ways that atheism is represented. Of course, there's the people out there who are bitter. There's the people out there who are activists. There are the people out there who express disdain or, you know, nihilism and all these different things. But that's not the majority. That's just the most vocal. But most people, I've known many atheists over the course of my life, and I took a little bit from that as well. There are the atheists who are just the, hey, live and let live. You know, I may not believe in this, but I'm cool with you believing that. And, you know, and and that's how a lot of friendships are formed and maintained is that respect for each other's boundaries, their respect for each other's belief systems or lack of belief systems or whatever you want to call it. So there's people like that out there. And I really, over the course of the story, I feel like I got to show a number of different types of, of atheists or even people who are just agnostic, but they act like atheists, you know, and I think that that was important because, and and then coming back to Sean, Sean is probably the most common type of atheist, which is 
someone who grew up around religious people, grew up around people calling themselves Christians who didn't live like Christ. And so they set a bad example and actually hurt him as a result of that. And there's a few examples of that in the book to to show that, hey, God wants us to live the way he laid out through the Bible, through what Jesus said, and that's the example we're supposed to follow. And if we're not doing that, no, we're not perfect, but we need to strive to do that. And so it's really interesting uh, working with from Sean's perspective, because in a way, Sean is sort of the average person looking at the world. And the average person out there has a baggage. And so getting to see that it's not as simple as Christian good, atheist bad, that's one dimensional. But to look at things more realistically, there are good Christians. There are Christians who really need to get their lives right with Christ. You know, there are atheists who are atheists for a reason, but that doesn't mean they can't come to Christ. I feel like this book speaks to people to say, basically, we all need to take a look at ourselves and where we want to be. And and I think that comes through. With Sean, too, he did have moral qualities as it related to his relationship with this woman that we'll talk about in a minute. And he was dedicated to her. He was a monogamist, if you will, and he wanted to grow old with this woman. And he didn't need to be, quote unquote, a Christian to have that desire. And I think that is an important part of the conversation because there are atheists out there who say, I believe what you do. I just don't think God has anything to do with it. I think it's more of a universal moral code or form of conduct you should adhere to. But then, of course, you have to say, you know, a savvy Christian would say, well, who gave us the moral code? You know, and that's more of apologetics. But in this case, you're not trying to do apologetics. You're just trying to use storytelling as a vehicle. But it doesn't come off as preachy at all because John is hardly perfect. Even with his background, he makes his own mistakes. So getting into the story with Sean. I want you to set up what his day is like, because the story does start off kind of mundane. And then, for lack of a better term, the dragons came. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So go ahead and just give us a little hint of what Sean's day starts off like. Well, Sean, he is a recent college graduate. He's just gotten his first, quote unquote, professional job working for a customer service firm. And so he gets up in the morning and gets dressed. We start with the book with him literally on his first day of work, which was kind of fun in and of itself. But yes, it is mundane. He's he's got his clothes picked out. He he kinda he kinda knows what he wants to do, but he's he's an introvert and he's a very lonely guy. He's basically had to depend on himself to get where he's at, to finish college, to to go and get this job and, and yet he's an introvert. He's actually not easily provoked to confrontation. He's a fairly easygoing guy, but like I say, he's lonely. So, I mean, he even has to, and he's he's not broke, but he's just gotten this apartment. So he doesn't have like money to to get even a dog. So he pretends he has a dog and see, that's his companion at home because he doesn't really have any friends either. And so that kind of sets him up. He's, I would say that he's probably like a lot of 20 something guys out there who are on the introverted side that are just 
kind of going through the motions, trying to figure things out. And so it's he doesn't have a car. He doesn't want a car. He's got a job within walking distance of his apartment. He doesn't have any roommate. You know, he's functional. And I thought it was really important to show that because that's not usually what you see in books. Usually what you see is like either the jock character or the social media star or what have you. And and I didn't I didn't feel any of that. That was not in my inspiration from the Lord. But I, I wanted Sean I had to throw myself into Sean. I'm an extrovert, so writing an introvert was an interesting challenge. I'm sure. But Sean is one of those type of characters who is is relatable while still, you know, part of his relatability is his flaws, is his naivete and his youth even. And so he was fun to write because he's not a bad guy. He's not correct all the time because nobody is. But yeah, he has his own kind of moral code and he's kind of making it up as he goes along to figure out what to do and how to interact with people. He desperately wants to make friends. He just doesn't really have the skills to do it. And that causes some of his problems. So he goes to work and then he comes back home, plays with the dog, eats food, maybe watches TV, maybe plays a game, something like that. But I mean, not a exciting life, not an outgoing life, but a life. And so that's where we start with him. And as you say, then the dragons came. Now, what's interesting with Sean is that for a man who is much of a loner, he ends up getting involved with two women. And it sounds a lot more fantastic than it is, but it is very, very sticky and is very complex. So the first person I want you to talk about is the nice girl. Let's talk about her. That would be Jenny Lou Harris, and she basically is his first love. He met her in college, but they didn't go out. In fact, they were actually on in a uh, Christian club, and essentially, Sean was raised with Christian values. He was taken to church, and so when he saw this gorgeous girl who was recruiting for the Christian club, he joined the club. But he didn't join for the right reasons. Again, he kind of went along, tried to help out with things, tried to, you know, be a part of the club. But his heart wasn't in it for the purpose of the club. He, he just wanted to be around Jenny Lou. And so this is something that happened before the book even started. We see this part in a flashback, but things didn't work out. Like I say, they never went out or anything like that, but they did have feelings for each other. And that is, you know, that is expressed. And it, it, the funny thing is, is that after this first dramatic event that happens early on in the book, he runs into her again. And so, yeah, she's the nice girl. She's the, quote unquote, the strong Christian woman. At least that's what we're led to believe at the beginning of the story. But everybody's human. Everybody has things they need to work on. And Jenny Lou is no exception. It's just that Sean sees her as kind of the idealized Christian young woman. But then when things don't work out, you know, it's kind of the, the last straw for him. And it sends him in a different direction just Kind of the, the last thing that drops into your lap and you're like, okay, that's it. I can't handle it anymore. And so, again, that was kind of a sign of his maturity and also maybe even hers. It was, they were an interesting dynamic because with Ginny Lou, she almost has qualities of some of the female characters that you might see in a Christian romance novel. 
Well, I would say she's a typical character of a Christian romance novel, and I don't say typical in a bad way. And one of the things I felt really strongly about, and this is where I disagreed with you personally, I felt as if she got a really bad hand by Sean in this, and I did not agree with it. That's why you write the stories, because I think it'll be a really good study book, not just a Christian book, but a good study book as well. But at the same time, the other woman in Sean's life is the one that a lot of Christian romance tends to avoid. They don't want to show this side of Christian romance when we're talking about more formulaic romance. So let's talk about this other woman in Sean's life. So just to let you guys know, so when Sean begins the story, this is not a spoiler, he has an imaginary dog that he is religiously adhered to. And I could not understand that. I was like, this guy is so lonely, he has an imaginary dog. Okay. You know, I left it alone. But now he goes from having that imaginary dog to a somewhat relationship with Jenny Liu and then this other woman. Let's talk about her. Okay, so uh, again, to keep it kind of as spoiler-free as we can, the other woman's name is Kalea Nadeau, and she is she works with Sean. And even her name sounds exotic, so you have Jenny Liu and Kalea. So yeah, go figure, Alan. <laughs> But she is, like she works with uh, Sean, she's uh, in that industry, and Sean finds her beautiful too. And they kind of have, they, they meet at a party, and nothing of this is, is really planned except that one of Sean's coworkers is kind of uh, was seeing the new employees and inviting them to like this, you know, grill party, burgers, hot dogs, and all that kind of stuff, a pool party. And so invites Sean uh, along with some other new employees and some existing employees to kind of even it out and have a little small group. And so Sean and Kalea kind of just, they kind of have instant chemistry, but this is where, this is the hidden dragon basically, or the first hidden dragon. Not that Kalea is evil. She's not. She's actually a very interesting and even sympathetic character, though not at first, until we get to understand her story, which I'm not going to spoil. But yes, it's quite a contrast to Jenny Liu. I mean, they they look different. They present themselves differently. Jenny Liu is more down to earth, whereas Kalea kind of has her head in the clouds, but had that other side to her that's, you know, kind of solid and business-like. So she's got her own townhome that she rents. She's got, you know, plans and things that she wants to do. And she's a little bit secretive. So that's, again, kind of the opposite of Jenny Lou. Jenny Lou tell you whatever she thinks. So it's kind of like put Sean in what could have been a very tropey two girls and a guy situation. But I really am glad for the way that the Lord had the story to unfold that it Sean's decision on which way to go really was based on a combination of his own actions and his worldview. Basically, since he, I mean, he does have a moral compass, it's not based on anything outside of himself. So basically, he's like, okay, I know how I feel, but I need to make a decision. Okay, brain, make a decision. Okay, that's the decision I make. Doesn't mean it's going to be the right decision. It just means he made one. And that influences the rest of the story. So it was really interesting to to look at it from, A, from not, I, I don't really read romance books, so I wasn't looking at it from 
any of those perspectives. I just wanted to tell a good story. And it just happened to kind of go in a romance direction. Would you agree? I agree. And the other thing that you did with these characters is that you explored how pain affected each of them differently. For Sean, he became more reclusive. For Jenny, she's very vocal about her pain. And for Kalea, she's secretive. And so hurt people react to pain in different ways, and all of them have been hurt. And as you read the former things available from Ambassador International, it's on Amazon or wherever books are sold, you're going to see that theme woven through there. But like all good stories, Christ affects the outcome. And there's a scene in here where Sean hits his lowest. Jenny hits her lowest, and even Kalea hits their lowest. I won't go into the details because that'll be more of a really big spoiler, but they all experience low points, and then God comes and changes, which is kind of loose to the title, the form of things. And so I can't wait for you guys to read about it. But after you've gone through this experience, you've actually written a Christian romance. It's now formulaic, and it's not going to have the type of ending I think some women are going to enjoy. You know I liked your book. I just didn't agree with it. Like, I had philosophical disagreements with this book. But that's why I enjoyed it, because it did make me think. And I think I was, I think I fell asleep. And then the next day I woke up thinking about it again, because it really is a good story. And I know this is the type of book that's going to have people talking when it relates to love, romance, and Christ, and how he fits all in there. The other thing I want to talk to you about, as you usually write speculative fiction, now that you've written this romance, it's not formulaic because that's not how you would do it anyway. But do you think this is something you explore again? I think like all the books, it's going to come down to what the Lord inspires me to do. This is a very, very unique situation. This is very special. I wouldn't be opposed to doing it. I think that sometimes the very best stories are the ones that don't need speculative elements to them. I love speculative elements. Don't get me wrong. Um, that's where I do the majority of my stuff. But I think sometimes a story like this comes along that just needs to be told and and it ends up the way it ends up. So I'm not opposed to doing non-speculative fiction books in the future. And if they go in a, a romance direction like this, it's certainly possible. I mean, like I say, all of my books have romance elements to them because I really believe that one of the best ways that Christ expresses himself is through love. And, you know, through love for common man and especially uh, love between a man and a woman husband and wife, you know, because that comes back to exemplifying God's relationship with the church through Christ. So that's very, very important. Love, marriage, family, it's what it's all about. So could it happen again? Sure. I think he did a good job, too, so it's not the problem. I think he did a good job, but, you know, romance is kind of like my forte. <laughs> so, so I was glad to see you, particularly as a male, writing romance. And just to let you know, there are more men getting into romance, particularly in more sexy genres. They're getting into romance, but I think one of the reasons why is the pandemic opened up new opportunities for people, because all they had to do was stay home. And so you stay home, right, and you're reading books, so you, a guy may pick up a book out of curiosity and go, dude, this is not even a dude. I don't know who this person is in this book, but it's not a dude, you know. And so they take up the mantle and say, I'll write a real story with a real guy, <laughs> you know. And so I think that's what happened too. But there's always been in the modern age of romance, the thought that men can't write romance or that men are incapable of romantic feelings unless they unless some kind of circumstances come about. That's not necessarily the case. Men are highly romantic. They're just, they may not do it the way we as women would think, but then there are men 
they're men. That's why they may do it differently than we do. So it'll be interesting to see if this will inspire other men who may want to write in this genre, but they don't want to write formulaic to do that as well, because I'm all for that. And what I really like about this book is that you are using the romance as a way to tell a story of God's redemption, of God's healing, and of God's intervention in our lives. And so that's what I really liked about the former things. I usually have you introduce yourself, Alan, but I believe you've been on the show a number of times that people know who you are. And if they don't, all they have to do is go to your website, alanstedham.com, and you can find out everything you need to know about him there. He has a lovely blog that he blogs with from time to time, touching on various issues of the world today. And I am really excited to see what he has up next. So go ahead and tell us what you are working on right now. So what I'm working on right now is a prequel to my very first book, which was Mindfire. Mindfire was a superhero thriller, Christian fiction, and it focused on a young woman named Leah Hamilton who had telekinesis and fire powers, thus Mindfire. The prequel is called Unto Dust, and it focuses on Leah's father and stepmother 20 years in the past. And the thing that's kind of unique about the people who raised Leah is that they were superheroes. But Leia's biological mother is a supervillain. So this basically goes back to the beginning and, and focuses on it. But what's kind of unique about it and the inspiration, and Parker had a hand in this, is that it's a time travel novel. And so basically this story shows how Leia's father and stepmother, how they met, how they fell in love while superheroes on a superhero team called the Armin. But what led them to go from the kind of messed up people that they were uh, back in the early 90s, because uh, it starts in, Mindfire starts in 2013, and it ends in 2014. The prequel starts in 1992, and we'll go through 1993. But the big thing that happens in it is that, okay, first off, let me say who these people are real quick. The, her father was a superhero named Crusader. Her stepmother the superhero called The Cat. They end up getting tossed back in time to the Great Depression in Texas in a place called the Dust Bowl that had lots and lots of dust storms and desolation and just not a very good place to be in the middle of an already difficult time of the Great Depression. So it shows how that time travel adventure shaped the people that they would eventually become. And it just was something that the Lord really pushed me to, to write because I've known these characters since I was a kid. I wrote comics with these characters. That's what eventually led to the Mindfire novel. But it was also a challenge. It's been a challenge to write a Christian tale with the characters not yet becoming Christians, but you know they become Christians. So it's like, what led them in that direction? What influences did they have along the way? And who were they versus who they are now? That's To me, that's what a good prequel does. It takes the original story and say, hey, let's take an element that we really didn't focus on that much in the original story and kind of bring it out. And that's what I've been trying to do. And I know you would do it very well. And just let me know when it's ready so we can have you back on the show to talk about it. But as always, Alan, I want to thank you so much for being with us on the show today. You know I always enjoy having you. In the few moments we have left, go ahead and encourage our authors out there today. Well, I think the most important thing for any, any Christian author 
is to look to the Lord for guidance. You know, we can have the greatest ideas, uh, but if the if the inspiration uh, isn't coming from the Lord, we can run into trouble as authors. So always pray and ask the Lord to direct your stories because he won't let you down ever. And that'll be a blessing not only to you, but it'll be a blessing to your readers with the stories that you produce because if they lead the reader towards Christ or towards a closer walk with Christ, that's always a win. You cannot go wrong with it. So stick with the Lord. Alan, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Can't wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thanks so much, Parker. It's been a blast. And we were talking today to Alan Stedham. He is the author of the book, The Former Things, available from Ambassador International. To find out where you can get it online, you can go to ambassador-international.com or go to Amazon or wherever books are sold. I always enjoy having Alan on the show with me, and today is no different. He knows I am a fan of his work, and I always look forward to reading his books and get into a great news story, and I know that you will too. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.